if you could turn to James chapter 1, yep, still in James chapter 1, and uh, we are going to be covering a lot of verses today, but this all really started, um, you know, primarily in verse 2, where uh, James said to us, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. And we've been learning about trials, and this is going to continue because these trials of many kinds uh, that uh, James is speaking about, um, we're told to consider them pure joy. And, um, but we're also promised that if we ask God for wisdom later on in this chapter, that uh, he gives it to us. And not only does he give it to us, it says he gives it to us generously. Like he doesn't hold back. And he gives it to us generously without finding fault. Meaning he never looks at you and he's like, what's your deal? Why don't you get this yet? No, he says, yeah, of course, I'll give you wisdom. And so today we're going to look at um, what might seem like, uh, is this really fit? Because we're going to talk about the poor and the rich and how the poor and the rich boast. And we're going to talk about persevering in trials we're going to talk about not being deceived. How do you navigate temptation? And it really boils down to this, knowing yourself, but more importantly, knowing God. And so let me pray for us, and then I'll have you stand as we read from James chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 9. Lord, this morning as we come to you, as we continue in our worship service. My prayer is that you would be very obvious to us this morning. Lord, that you would continue to open us up. Lord, that we would continue to uh, be willing to allow you to have access to places in our heart that we maybe don't know or far from you, or maybe we do. And Lord, whenever we talk about trials and temptation, um, there's always a, oh boy, moment in us. And so Lord, help us to see those things that you want us to bring to you, Lord. Those things that we need freedom from, the things that we need help in, that we would ask you for wisdom. And we know you'll be faithful to give it to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you could stand with us as we read uh, from James chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. And it's up also on the screen um, as we go along. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because we all pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. 
Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Verse 16. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruit of all created. Amen. You can be seated. So in verses 9 and 11, we're really talking about here, uh, the word is saying that there, there is a certain pride that you can take in your circumstances. Now, we always hear pride and we think a bad thing, right? We hear the word boasting and, and we hear a bad thing. But, but James is saying, no, if you are poor, you get to boast in that. that. That is where God has you. And God says, this is a good place for you because this is where I want you to be. Because if you are boasting, you're not going to be boasting in your life necessarily. I mean, many of us have, you know, I mean, anybody ever been like needing of money? Raise your hand. If not, you know, that's, that's, that's good for you. But like we all uh, have been there. We've all been poor in certain things. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, things that are going on in your life. But here he is saying, right, that this is not about boasting in you. This is about taking pride in how God views you. That those that are poor, that are looked down upon in this world, God doesn't see us that way. God sees us and says, oh, you are greatly valuable to me. And it's not being defined by your wealth or your lack of wealth, no matter how much money you have. Uh, or don't have, that is not what defines you. Taking pride means this. Boasting means this. Rejoicing in where God has you. Rejoicing in that because God meets us in our circumstances. Not only does he meet us, he reveals himself to us over and over and over again. Let the poor and the rich rejoice because the poor should, should actually view themselves as God does. You see, God exalts us. God says, I will lift you up. The world will not. I mean, we, if you're not aware, we have a pretty unfair system in our world. It's really, really hard to get ahead. I talked to a guy the other day who has just gotten out of jail after 10 years. And um, in the midst of getting out of jail, he found out as soon as he got home that he's being sued for like $70,000. He, he doesn't make much. He's in a pit. He, he, he's like, I, I don't know how to get out of this. But as we continue to talk, one of the things that kept coming over and over to his mind was this. I don't have to figure this out. I just need to trust God. Because a $70,000 debt to somebody that makes like 15 bucks an hour is an insurmountable amount of money to figure out. And how does somebody come from a, a prison and, and, and integrate back into this world in order to really engage in life? And he's doing all the right things. And it's almost impossible for him to get ahead. You see, when we are boasting in those circumstances, wow, it might seem delusional, won't it? 
Like, why are you boasting? Why are you excited? Why are you, why are you happy? Why are you joyful? Well, it's not because of my circumstances. I'm boasting the fact that I am seen by God as very valuable. <clears throat> I'm seen by God that he will lift me up. And the rich should live in humility is what scripture says. Like, all of us need the gospel. All of us need Jesus. Even if you've got everything figured out financially, it could go away like that. It could go away in an instant. And so when we are lifting up and, and, and saying, oh, wow, the rich, the this, the famous. I mean, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about certain people. You know, like they, they're just all over the news. And I'm like, who cares? Apparently a lot of people do because they keep talking about them. But th- this, is, this is like in, in, in verse 9 where it says these humble circumstances that we are not less than in God's eyes. Our society may look down, but God lifts up. And those that are rich, that get the accolades of the world, that the world lifts up. But God says that doesn't matter because even the rich don't last. I mean, verses 10 and 11, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, meaning I'm low in God's eyes because I'm not God. Like it's a good thing to to realize we're not God. and, And so we're below God and God says, oh, that's where I want you. Because when you realize where you are in front of me, a holy God, you realize that, wow, this holy God loves me. And no longer am I defined by what I do or what I make or how much I invest and do in this world. I am known and loved by God. This is good news for both the rich and the poor. The good news is that we can be content in our circumstances. That we can have a grateful heart and that we are defined by God. He goes on to say in verse 12, blessed are you when you persevere. Like trials come and come and come. Like trials don't, uh, they're not discriminating against rich and poor, are they? The gospel is our only hope. And instead of being shaped by uh, finances and, and our world, we are shaped by the gospel. And this is what the gospel says to us, that God loves us, that God is for us, that Jesus died for us, and that the Holy Spirit now lives in us. I mean, that is amazing. Like, we don't deserve that. And God says, I know but I love you anyway. I know, but I want you to experience the depths of my love. One day, all these trials will cease. One day, they will go away. But in the midst of trials, we need to understand something about temptation. You see, trials and temptation are very close cousins. They're close cousins like uh, depression and anxiety. Like you're depressed because you're anxious and you're anxious because you're depressed, right? I mean, it, it's just like this cycle that it's hard to get out of. Temptations and trials are very much the same way because a trial 
can lead to temptation. And a temptation can lead to trial. Because temptation is all about us taking a shortcut. It's all about us saying, uh, I'm going to get a little bit of relief from reality right now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean into this. And sometimes it's actually just flat out saying to God, no, I'm going to handle this my way. Like it's a very rare person that just falls into like a, a deep, dark sin. It, it, it happens over time because trials come our way and we try to numb those trials. We try to escape those trials. And God says, don't escape the trial. God sends those trials our way because those trials are what make us realize, boy, do I need Christ. Boy, do I need him. Like we had uh, just a super busy week this week. I mean, it was like one thing after another. No, no, no. And I, I, at night, like we'd hit the, the pillow and Dee and I would start to talk and be like, so anyone, boom, would fall asleep like that. It was just one of those weeks. I mean, and, and embracing how life is and saying these circumstances don't define us. God defines us. And God wants to use these circumstances for us to understand more and more of him. And we experience the care of the Father, don't we? When we lean into these things. Now, the first bunch of verses that we've been studying over the last couple weeks are a very external focus. Like, these things are happening to you, right? Like, these things are happening to me. That's the the the, the, the the focus of the first few verses here in James. But what we've been reading today is it's, it's moving now more to the internal. Like these things that happen to us, how are we going to deal with the outside influences and circumstances that so affect our heart? It's by resisting temptation that goes hand in hand with these trials. So let's talk about some temptation real quick. Verse 13 flat out says this, when you are tempted. Now, verse 2 told us when you experience trials. So he's moving from trials to temptation, and he's promising this. Like, it is a promise. I mean, Jesus himself said this as well. James is just repeating what Jesus taught him. And so when we are tempted, not if, but when. Temptation is a, a normal part of life as, as trials are a normal part of life. And sometimes those temptations are absolutely obvious. Like it, something happens and you're like, mm, there's no way I'm heading down that road. Like that's a disaster. And, and you're like, Lord, thank you for giving me the wisdom. I, I'm not going down the road. But we all know that those subtle temptations are the ones that we wrestle with the most, Right. Those subtle temptations where we start getting a little closer to what the world says and pretty much pretty soon we're like, well, what do we have here? This looks interesting. I mean, we want to sin. That is our nature. Left to ourselves, we crave it. And the best way to defeat 
something that is your enemy is to actually know your enemy. So verse 13 goes on to tell us where does temptation come from? Not God. Plain and simple. Temptation does not come from God. God is not tempted to do evil, and so he's not going to use temptation to tempt us. Now, some of you in here might be like, well, Jesus is God. Yes, true. And Jesus was tempted by Satan for like 40 days. You know, he, he, Jesus fasted, and near the end of that time, it says Satan came and he tempted uh, Jesus over and over again. But here's the thing. Though Jesus was being tempted, he did not entertain the temptation. See, that is the character of God. We entertain temptation, don't we? Like we're like, oh, maybe. Oh, that's a little appealing. Well, of course it is. And so this Jesus and not being entertaining of temptation gives us great hope in the fact that we can actually get through temptation even though we entertain it at times. And Jesus said to Satan over and over again when, when Satan tried to tempt him, Jesus was like, mm, it's written. It is written. In other words, that's not true. Temptation is not true. Temptation is a facade of something that makes you think your life is going to be better. So verse 14 goes on to say, when, uh, we are tempted when we invite it. And this is what it means. We often um, want to blame other people, don't we? Wow, I was tempted by that. I was tempted by that. Yeah, you were. Yes, we were. But it's on us. We have to deal with that. Yes, Satan will tempt us. Yes, he will use others. Yes, he will use situations. But we can say no. I grew up in the 80s and I remember Nancy Reagan was the president's wife. And she came out with this campaign, just say no to drugs. And I remember my friends going, I don't want to. I'm like, but, but we can, you know, I mean, it's, it's true. Like we can, with God's help, say no to things that are not good for us. Falling to temptation is on us. The desire is our own. Our desire for, for temptation comes from within. And this is a real tension. Let me read something to you from Romans. And this is Paul. Romans chapter 7. Follow along with this if you can, because it is quite, uh, quite the, the statement. I do not understand what I do. For what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is it is no longer I myself do it, but it is a sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do, I don't want to do. But this, I keep on doing. I mean, that's a confusing part of Scripture, isn't it? 
In other words, it's like I don't do the things that I want to do and I don't do the things that I actually want to do. It is a constant thing. We are our own worst enemy. Verse 15 lets us know, hey, let's notice where temptation leads. This desire that we have in us, the sinful desire that we all have, gives birth to sin. If we we feed it in our hearts and our minds, we will act on the temptation. Now, I'm not going to ask you to tell me what it is, but in your own mind, just think of the thing that you're tempted to do the most. And as you do that, understand that as we entertain those things that we're tempted to do, and my temptation is probably different than your temptation, but guess what? It's all temptation. We're all in the same boat. You are not alone. And so part of battling temptation is coming to the face the facts that I am tempted. That doesn't make you bad. We are tempted. But when we are tempted, the sin is born and it grows stronger and stronger. It's like a baby. When they're born, they don't do anything, right? Matter of fact, the first couple of nights, you're like, wow, they're sleeping a lot. This parenting thing's a piece of cake. What have people been complaining about? My child's sleeping wonderfully. And then about week one, maybe day four or whatever, you're like, oh my goodness. And so this child continues to grow and get stronger and they can do more things. They, they mature, you know, bless God, they, they eventually learn to drive and, you know, freak their parents out and all these things. But when sin is there and it grows and grows and grows, it is much different than like raising a child. Like we're raising a child to, to better that child, to lift them up, to, 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 to grow them in Christ. But when sin grows, it is all about wrecking our lives. There is no value in falling to temptation. It is empty. It is worthless. We will lose control if we don't, and we will go deeper and deeper, and sin ultimately leads to death. I mean, God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. So verse 16 says, don't be deceived. We like sin. Let's face it. There's a reason that we keep doing it. Because it, it, it meets something. There's a need that we have to like, to, 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 we just desire this. It, it, it's fun for a bit. It's on us. That is what's true about us. But enough about us and enough about temptation. We need to be solid on what is true about God. Because it is hopeless for us. In and of ourselves, we can never, ever defeat temptation. So what is true about God? Verse 17 tells us this. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from Him. 
God is the source of all blessing and all goodness. And it says in here that he doesn't change. He's not like the shifting shadows. That's our world. That's people. That's humanity. We, even at our best, are shifting shadows at some point. But not God. You see, because he is sovereign, it says in those verses down below there, he is the father of heavenly lights. That's powerful. I read an article that uh, says Elon Musk uh, has uh, more satellites that pretty soon it'll outnumber the stars. No, it won't. Are you joking? We can't even count the stars. So how do we know? Like he is the father of heavenly lights. He he is so powerful. He, He is so in control. And yet he is so personal. He loves us. He is dependable. It says he's not like the shifting shadows. That he is gracious. That he gives us a new birth. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Verse 18, this new birth is from God. And here's the best part. He chose you. Like we, we didn't choose him. Yes, there was a point in time that we said, I, I'm going to follow Christ. But we didn't initiate it. God has initiated his love towards us. God is the one that says, I want all people to come to me. It is available to all people. I choose humanity. I want them to love me and follow me and, and, and be with me forever. That is what God says. But until we come to grips with the fact that we need God, and we say, God, I, I not only need you, I want you. Like Just help me. Because this new birth is from God. It comes from the word of truth. Our old life brought death. But this new life, it brings heaven on earth. You see, you can experience bits of what heaven is going to be like here on this earth as you follow Christ. And as you start to experience more and more this new life, it is just the beginning. Like you and I are heaven bound when we surrender to a God that has chosen to give his life for us. And the fact that we are heaven bound, it means that we will see glimmers of his faithfulness all throughout our life. And as we see these glimmers of faithfulness, we'll be like, this is, this is way better. Like this path is what is best for me because it's the path that God wants me on.